0: Good morning, I hope you're having a good day. So, if you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, you understand this, right? It's this idea of communicating with someone that, that just gives you butterflies, communicating with someone that, that you, you're in love with, someone that maybe you just really like, someone that you don't even know if you like or love, but you really wanna to talk to them, right? And so this idea, I was thinking about it today, that there's these different stages in our communication. Like, there's that initial when I haven't even spoke to that person, right? When I think back about when Sarah and I started dating, I remember seeing her at at our church. It was during the week of VBS, and we were both volunteering, and I was walking a group of kids somewhere, I don't even know where, but I saw her walking the other direction, and I just stopped, and I watched her go by. And I had no clue who she was. But then I went and asked. I said, hey, do you know who that is? And, and they told me, oh, that's Sarah Doherty. And, and I said, oh, I need to talk to her. And so at that lunchtime of VBS, I went up to talk to her. And I got close and I froze, right? I, I didn't know the words. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say something stupid, something wrong. And so what I got out was absolutely nothing. I just turned around and left. Another day went by, another couple days of VBS, And and finally, I got up the courage just to say hello. You understand, you've been there before, right? That just to get hello out was huge. And so we started uh, communicating, and I was trying to woo her and, and get her to start dating me, right? I'm a 15-year-old boy, hoping that this girl would start dating me. And so I was telling her, all, trying to tell her these smooth things, trying to say these nice things, and it probably just came out as a blubber right? I didn't know what I was saying. I, I would, didn't feel comfortable around her. I was scared. I was nervous. I was sweaty. It was, you understand, it was scary, right? And so this communication, this is how our, our dating began, is we would call on the phone and I didn't know what to say. And we'd just have moments of silence, but it was an awkward silence. It was a, I don't know what to say silence. And, and as we started dating and and we had these phone calls on the uh, the these awkward phone calls, and then it transitions to we became more and more comfortable, I started being able to talk more freely. It was still reserved and, and maybe shallow, but but I was comfortable talking around her, right? Then fast forward and, and and we're engaged, and and our conversations are now much deeper. It's about big things in life. It's about how many kids do you want to have, and and where would you want to live, and what do you want to do, and and. All these things that now we're talking about our dreams and big things. It's still not maybe intimate, sharing my feelings, sharing, sharing my heart and soul, but, but it's more important things. Fast forward, we're, we're married, and it's crazy that the day you get married, you, you think you're in love, and, and I've realized every day since then, I'm even more in love with Sarah. And so every day since then, our conversations have grown deeper. I've gotten to a point uh, shortly after our marriage, but I was at a point where I could share deep things. I could share my feelings. I'm at a point now where I can go to her and and share anything. Right? I can go to her when I'm excited. She's the first one I want to tell. I'll send her a text. I gotta give me a call when you're free. Uh, when I'm when I'm heartbroken, I come to her and. And sometimes I just cry, cry in her shoulder when there's a death of a, someone at our church or, or something that just breaks my soul. And I'm able to communicate with her. You see these marriages, and, and these marriages where the, the couple is elderly, and, and you see it in an old folks' home, and, and one of the spouses is, is on their deathbed, and the other is sitting there, and they just sit there eight, ten hours. Hardly say anything, but they hold hands. It's almost as if they can communicate without saying words. Right? If you've ever been around someone long enough that you can communicate and they start to finish each other's sentences because you're so in tune. I don't know if you've experienced that. I hope many of you have. If you haven't, I hope and pray that you do someday because it's an amazing thing to see the metamorphosis of this communication grow. And that's what we're talking about today. This communication with God. God to see it grow. And this communication is called prayer. I'm here in the prayer room. We have a prayer room at our church that is adjacent to the to the auditorium where the worship band is, and, and they finished playing, and, and I'm over here in the prayer room. And I love it because this is an, a room that is dedicated to prayer. It's a room that we have someone every Sunday morning praying for the service, praying for you, praying for a list, a, a wall of prayer requests that have been laid out just praying, communicating with God. And so I talk about this communication with, with, a, with a spouse, with someone that you like, uh, because it's very similar to our prayer walk. I don't know where you're at in your walk with prayer, but just like in that relationship, wherever Sarah and I were at was okay to be in that spot. Wherever you're at in your prayer walk is okay. Maybe you're at the awkward beginning stage where you go to pray and you don't know what to say. Maybe you're worried you're going to say the wrong thing or sound silly. I I don't know. Maybe you're at the stage where you're sharing your intimate details. When there's something exciting, when there's something painful, your first step is to go to God and pray and share. Maybe you're at a place where, where things are just so real and so raw that you don't have the words, but you're just spending time in the presence of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is speaking for you. This is what we're talking about this morning. We've been doing, we started this series last week on spiritual disciplines, on habits, on, on ways that we can connect with God, right? Connecting in the distance, that's our, our logo, is connecting in the distance, is connecting with God, even at a time when we're isolated, in a time when you're at your home, I'm at my home, when, when we can't come together, we can still come close to the Lord. And the best way to do that, the initial way that we want to dive into that is through Prayer. So, that's what we're going to look at this morning is prayer. And I love that prayer is something you learn, right? It's not something I don't think that we are intrinsically know how to do. It's something that you have to practice, it's something you have to learn. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. These are guys that had seen other ways to pray and they're still asking, teach us. And what I like about the idea that you, have to, that you get to learn prayer is it gives us freedom freedom to practice freedom to experiment, freedom t- to, to struggle, freedom there's no right way, there's no wrong way. It's, it's learning how I'm going to communicate with my Savior, learning you how you're going to communicate with your Father. It, it's something that you, you practice and you, you work through. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open it to, to Luke chapter 11. We're also going to have it up on, on the screen, uh, bring it up on your app, whatever that looks like. But we're going to be in two locations in the Bible, both in, chapter, in the book of Luke. Uh, Luke was uh, written in, for an audience to, to tell them about Jesus Christ. It's one of the Gospels, one of the four Gospels, telling about his life here on earth. And it tells this story that Jesus is teaching on prayer. It says one day, chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then you have this passage that many of us know, maybe you can recite it, even if you weren't raised in church, even if you're not Christian, maybe you've come across this before. It says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptations. This is often called the Lord's Prayer and, and and you can read many books on this passage. We've even done a sermon series here on this very passage. But I wanted to look past that passage. When Jesus is telling us about how to pray, he gives us this example and then continue to read with me. Verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me 3 loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though I tell you, though he will not get up and give him bread because of, it is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will knock, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives; he who asks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus follows his example of prayer with this illustration, and I love this illustration because it's teaching us that, like that that man that needs food in the middle of the night, this is what Jesus is saying: Come to the Lord in prayer in such a manner. And it's saying that the man, the, the man inside the house, he's already put his kids to bed, he's already locked up everything, and, and there's no logical reason that he would go get him food, but he does, not just because of the friendship, but because of the boldness, because of his willingness to come in the middle of the night. See, come into someone's house in the middle of the night at any time in culture is not polite, right? If I came and knocked on your house at one in the morning banging for a loaf of bread, you'd tell me, get out of here and head down to the grocery store. Same thing, there wouldn't have made any sense, it wouldn't have been polite to knock on the door in the middle of the night, but he does. He comes to his friend with a request, with a need, and Jesus is sharing, he's talking about prayer when he shares this illustration, and he's saying that, come to me boldly, come to me with what you, what is pressing, come to me with your needs, come to me with what's pressing on your heart, with any, whatever is going on at this moment, come to me, let me know, because it's like this prayer that, that whatever time that is, that you would be able to come and share your immediate need. Share something that you have on your heart and come before the Lord. And then I love it says, whoever seeks, whoever knocks, the door will be open. That's you and me. The door will be open for us if we come to him. And it says that he'll give you whatever you want, but, but also I think it's important to note, right? This, this isn't an idea that we look at this prayer and, oh, if we pray, then, then we can have wealth. And if we pray, we can have a new boat. And if we pray, I'll get that job. And if we pray, I'll get an A on the test. And if you pray, um, that I'm going to get a relationship with that person. And, and that if you just pray, I can have whatever I want. This isn't a message on prosperity, and this isn't a message on getting things from God. See, it ends, the passage continues on, verse 11, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. I love that. Even though we're fallen, we would still give our kids the good things, right? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him. He concludes his teaching on prayer, saying that the Father, you can ask for whatever, but the Father knows what you need. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, will help us in, in meet many of those things that we think we need. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom, the Holy Spirit will give us guidance. The Holy Spirit will give us comfort, will give us counsel. The Holy Spirit will remind us of our salvation, remind us of our forgiveness. The Holy Spirit will point us towards God's mercy. See, we often pray for something to change, right? I don't know about you, but I do. Lord, change the situation. Change this health. Change what I'm facing. Change, change, change. And I read something this week. It said, to pray is to change. Prayer is central avenue God uses to transform us. God does change things through prayer. But it's changing us. What if, just step back for a second, what if your prayers weren't, God change this, God give us this, God change this, but Lord change me. Change me to be content where I'm at. Change me to have a heart of yours. Change me to see why is this going on. Change me to see where I could be glorifying you in this current situation. Change. Change. Uh, I, I was shared with this piece of. I was told this piece of advice that sometimes you don't feel like praying, right? I'm not. I'm not naive. Prayer is hard. Sometimes it seems hollow. Sometimes it seems cold. Sometimes it seems boring. Sometimes it seems amazing. Sometimes it seems like you are experiencing God's presence. Sometimes it draws you to excitement or tears. Prayer is such a, a vast thing. But I want to encourage you. Don't just wait till you feel like praying to pray. You see, if we just did it when we felt like praying, then we don't always pray at the right times. Sometimes we need to pray all the time, right? It's kind of like uh, when you're practicing a piano or working out. Uh, Sarah and I, this past week, have been trying to work out to shave off some of these COVID pounds, and our alarm's gone off. I have not felt like exercising, I guarantee you. But we've got up and done it anyways. And by the end of the exercising... I actually enjoyed it. By the end, I'm actually, throughout the day, I'm thinking, I look forward to tomorrow morning. Now, I tell you, tomorrow morning, I am not going to want to do it again. But if I do something, not just based on my feelings, but based on what I know I need to do, it'll help. We need to pray. We need to communicate with the Lord. How often do you spend time spending time with God? How often do you spend time listening to Him, sharing your heart, Being in that relationship that's so intimate, you're sharing your details. Maybe even being in that relationship that you don't have to talk, but you could just sit in peace and listen. As we were talking, as we were looking at prayer, I got to thinking about, there's so many prayers in the Bibles, but I got to thinking about how people talked to Jesus right? That's essentially what prayer is, is us talking to Jesus, us talking to the Lord, us talking to God, us talking to the Holy Spirit, is this prayer. And so how did people address Jesus? How did they come to Him? Maybe how do you and I come to Him at times of need? And I was drawn to the passage, and there's many like this one, but it's in Luke chapter 18. Flip over a couple pages to Luke 18, and we pick up in verse 35. It says there's this blind beggar and he he wanting to receive sight. And it says as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I like this passage because we get to see that here's this blind man, and he hears that Jesus is coming, and his first reaction is to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He's calling out to Jesus for a relationship, for a connection. He didn't just cry out, Jesus, restore my sight. He's crying out for Jesus to have mercy. Perhaps if I can be so bold, for Jesus to have love, for Jesus to have care, for Jesus to share, bless him with forgiveness, for Jesus to have mercy, for Jesus to give salvation. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And then Jesus says, what else do you want? What else do you, what are you asking from me? And he says, may I receive sight? And Jesus meets that need as well. Growing up, I was kind of taught to, um, that it was almost wrong for me to pray for myself. I don't know where I, I picked up on that, if it was a, a rogue Sunday school teacher or something that I misheard, but I, was, I almost believed it was wrong to pray for myself, that I could pray for others, but I couldn't pray for my own needs. And now as I dove into the Bible, I see that that's not, that's not true. There's many examples throughout the Old Testament and New Testament people praying for, for their own needs, even Jesus praying at the Garden uh, on his last night is praying for, for his own needs, right? And so this idea that you shouldn't pray for yourself, and I think it came from this idea that I shouldn't be praying for things for me, like I shouldn't pray for money uh, or that I could get taller or skinnier or that I'd g- get a green light or get a good parking spot or, or that when I got a box of Munchkins and Dunkin' Donuts, that there'd be a few extras in there, right? Even though I'm pretty sure I've said a prayer about all those things in the past. That's not... What we're supposed to be praying for. Go back to that verse from chapter 11, verse 13, praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon me. For those that ask, those that have a relationship with God, pray for the Holy Spirit. That at times when I need wisdom, the Spirit would be there. That at times when I need comfort, the Spirit would hold me. That at times when I need counsel, the Spirit would bring counsel through, through speaking to me through the Scripture, through all these things. That the Spirit would speak. That the Spirit would remind me that I would be praying for, 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 for forgiveness, praying a thanksgiving of my salvation, praying, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. There's a story, uh, an old story called Way of the Pilgrim. And it's about a 19th century young man. He's in his mid-20s and he's already lost his wife. He's crippled in his arms and and he's trying to find the meaning of life. And and he was reading 1 Thessalonians and Paul talks about prayer without ceasing. And he's struggling to understand how could one person do that? And so he goes on a pilgrimage on, in his homeland on Russia in Russia, and he goes on a pilgrimage, and he goes from priest to priest, uh, from abbot to abbot, from monk to monk, trying to find direction on how you could pray without ceasing, and no one is able to give him a real answer until he comes across a hermit that lives in a forest. And this hermit uh, tells him, I, I have the secret for you, and he takes him back, and he gives him this ancient book from the Desert Fathers, and he says, read this. And come back and see me in a couple of days. And so he comes back and sees him, and this book from the Desert Fathers tells about the Jesus Prayer. It's a prayer that the people have been saying for uh, 1700 years now. It's a prayer that is very repetitive and short, but focusing. It's, it's simply, Jesus, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Sometimes you see it and it says, has mercy on me, a sinner. But either way, the young man comes to him and says, "Ah, that was a a powerful prayer, but how does that pray without ceasing? And the hermit says, go and repeat this 3,000 times a day. And The young man thinks that's crazy, but he's willing to try anything. So he leaves and he goes and he practices 3,000 times a day. And he comes back in two days after he's done it both days. And he he says, you know what, at first it was hard, but but I actually kind of got into a habit. I got into the way of doing this. And it was kind of neat. The hermit tells him, then go and repeat this 6,000 times a day. young man seems overwhelmed, and he leaves, and and it takes him 10 days before he can do it routinely, 6,000 times in a day. He's praying, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And he comes back and he tells the hermit, he says, you know what? It took a long, most of my day, but it almost seems strange the times I'm not saying it. Now the times I'm not saying it, I'm thinking about saying it. And the hermit says, then you're almost there. Go and repeat it 12,000 times a day. He says, you're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to stay up late. But see if you can do this 12,000 times in a day. So the young man goes and he says it over and over, over and over, 12,000 times a day. And so this is all recorded in this book that afterwards he comes back and and he has this relationship for a long time with the hermit and he has repeated this 12,000 times a day and eventually his mentor passes on, passes away and, and this young pilgrim ages and people are starting to come to him to get advice on how to pray without ceasing. And he shares how his heart was changed. That his heart which was broken from the loss of his wife is now focused on Lord Jesus, Son of God. That his heart that was bitter because of his crippled arms is now focused on Lord have mercy on me. On his salvation, on forgiveness, on the amazing things that God has given us. It's a pretty powerful prayer. It's very simple, but it's pretty powerful. And so with this series, we're hoping to have a little activity that we could do each week. Uh, Last week, Elliot talked about the hand-open prayer and and bringing something in. And and this week, I want to encourage you and challenge each of us to do the Jesus prayer, to be able to say, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Uh, One way to do it is with your breath, right? When you're breathing in, you would breathe in and say, Lord Jesus, Son of God, and as you breathe out, have mercy on me. So right where you're at, I want you to get comfortable. If you're not comfortable, get comfortable. If you're a little too comfortable, if you're just lying out, sit up for a second and do this with me. With your breath in and your breath out, say this prayer. No matter what age you are, if you're a child, if you're elderly, whatever it is, together at this moment, let's do this prayer together. We'll just do it three times here initially, but. Let's do it together. So with your breath in, Lord Jesus, Son of God, and with the breath out, have mercy on me, a a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. It might seem silly, and some of you might be pulled away thinking that this is an an old Catholic ritual. It's not. This is straight scriptural. There's numerous times as diving in, like this same phrase is what people were crying out to Jesus when they would see him. The Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, the the desperate father in Matthew 17, two blind men in Matthew 20, the 10 lepers that we talked about at Easter in Luke 17, their initial comment when they see Jesus is, Lord Jesus, have have mercy on me. And so this prayer, so this week, I've been trying to do it. I've been doing it throughout the week and, and actually I got two rubber bands. Uh, one, because I can do a neat little magic trick. Right? And it impresses my kids. But two, I got this, these rubber bands because I've been putting on my hand and then I take over each uh, each finger each time. So, so it would be, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And so I've been doing that and I've been doing the, the breathing technique. And I got to tell you, it's changed a lot. I haven't done it 3,000 times in a day. In, in the ancient times, they didn't have watches like we do clocks. And so they would measure time by how many times you had to do it. And so they did it 3,000 times. It was about three hours, right? But if you were to take a minute, it's about 10 times. And so this week, I've been just doing it 10 times in a row, a minute. And I found myself wanting to do it more. I found myself doing it at a red light. I found myself doing it watching TV. I've even found myself doing it when I was sitting at the dinner table. And it was stressful, and the kids are screaming, and the food's flying. And I said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me and on my kids, right? And so it was a reminder. But it was neat how it's changed my view. Like I was doing this at, at work, and I started to pray for the construction workers next door. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on them. Start praying for my wife and my kids. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on them. Have forgiveness on them. Thank you for their salvation. Right? It's completely changed a lot of how I've thought this week. So that's my challenge to you this week. We're going to do it here together as a church. In your home and my home, or your home and here in the prayer room, we're going to do this. We're going to spend a minute, about 10 times, saying that prayer. And then the band's gonna start singing. And so I want to encourage you to, to breathe this in and breathe this out. And then maybe if this is meaningful to you, grab a rubber band and do it throughout the week. Remember it when you breathe to be able to say, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Take this to heart. Realize that your praying is a communing with God is drawing you closer to Him. And so this week, draw close to the Lord. Draw close through this prayer or through whatever prayer that might need to be. Draw close to the Lord in this discipline. So right now, if you will with me, normally I would close in a prayer. Right now, we are all gonna close in a prayer. You at your location, me at mine. I'm gonna say it the first two times, and then you just keep doing it until the band begins to play. Lord Jesus Son of God have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Son of God have mercy on me.